Hello, welcome in. It's the PHNX Cardinals podcast, your premier Arizona Cardinal podcast audio edition. Dropping on a football Friday. I'm Johnny Venerable. He is Bo Brock and Bo. I've cautiously, patiently been waiting on BetMGM for the line for the Cardinals hosting the Bengals to sink below plus three. Yet here we are. It remains a three-point spread. Why do I feel like that's disrespectful for a Cardinal team right now that I think should be favored against a fledgling Cincinnati team? When you look at the records, right, and you can throw out, you know, you are what your record says at one and three for both these squads because it's a very different one and three. You play close attention to how the Bengals are one and three, 42 points scored throughout the season, right, through four games, 42 points, just over 12 points per game. And then how well the Arizona Cardinals have competed week in and week out under Jonathan Gannon. Um, it, it would be, it is interesting it, to see how the Cardinals, a little disrespect at home because it feels like nobody's paying attention to how they've started the season and are discounting what, what the Bengals haven't done. Yeah. I, I think a win on Sunday is about a, a good of a start as you could realistically hope for. I know, you know, before the season we had our projections, right? I think you would pick them to win about six games and I was between six and seven games, but I think even more so than just winning Sunday, the, the feeling that this team is for real from a competitive standpoint and then looking at the rest of their schedule, I mean, there's a big difference in my opinion between two and three and one and f- one and four, especially when you consider that both wins would probably come, would come at home. And the fact that you have reinvigorated this fan base at State Farm Stadium, you should have beaten the Giants earlier this year. You beat the Cowboys, you beat the Bengals, and you beat two teams in, in, in the Super Bowl bubble that being Dallas and Cincinnati, at least preseason. I mean, like people have to sit up and say, like, I don't know if this is a playoff team this year, but this is a team that is worth watching every Sunday. And then, of course, has the big magic elixir coming down the pipeline in both Kyler Murray and Buda Baker. It's got to get some people fired up because I, I I think this Bengals team, Bo, and I could be reading too much into this. I, I think they're on the verge of, of calling it quits this year. I mean, you lose to the Cardinals on on Sunday, a road game. They've got to travel out west, right? They've got all this adversity. No T. Higgins. Joe Burrow's a shell of himself. They fall to one and four. I mean, you might pack up shop and start over for 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 2024. They won't come out and say that. I, this is so much different, I think, than what happened against the Giants, which I firmly put on Buda Baker's absence in the in the second half and losing him that Friday before the game. You get a lead on the Bengals and you start to run downhill. And we've seen how successful the Cardinals can do that at home. Like this, this, this Bengals team, this, the mentality of this team right now is wilting to the point where I think you could get them really in a tough spot to the point where they could quit on Sunday. Yeah. And the, and the Cardinals were gutted up front in that Giants game. By the end of yeah. it, they just didn't have anybody left. Uh, suffered a couple of their significant injuries in that game and before that game, including like you pointed out with Buda Baker, but. That very well, that very well might happen with with Cincinnati. I mean, this this could be an early just dagger to the heart of their 2023 season. But you know what it says for the Arizona Cardinals. You know, as exciting as it would be in the short term to have this team at two and three to be competitive throughout five weeks to potentially go into you know the fourth quarter with a lead in each and every one of those games when people just thought the Arizona Cardinals of 2023 were going to be an afterthought. You know, as exciting as it is in the short term, I think long term, it should get you even more excited that you're in the right hands. Right. Because so many people were Jonathan Gannon was 
kind of the, the butt of so many jokes throughout the off season. He was, you know, Mike Florio was churning out content every day, you know, just, just crushing Jonathan Gannon, rooting against Jonathan Gannon, Jonathan Gannon in his role as far as tampering with the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, what was he doing? You know, what did he do to compromise the Super Bowl for Philadelphia? And just so many outlandish storylines instead of, hey, this guy can really coach. This was the guy that Monty Osfort identified in 2022, in the summer of 2022, when he knew he was going to get potentially an opportunity to become a general manager of an NFL organization have a short list of guys that he identified as future head coaches. And Jonathan Gannon was on that list. And you can see why, I mean, just through in, in the sample size of games for the Cardinals, just through four, it's been legit. And it's given this, I think you and I, and, and a lot of the fan base, you know, excitement, encouragement, and confidence that they're not going to have the Cincinnati Bengals aren't going to come into the desert state farm stadium and have a get right game and just coast to their second win of the season. I think the Cardinals have a coaching advantage in this game with with Drew Petzing offensively and the way he's been operating. And then you look at whatever the Cincinnati offensive line that they're going to trot out and how aggressive Gannon and Nick Rollis can't afford to be. I mean, you know, I don't know how much we can share based on people we know inside the organization and people we know around Jonathan Gannon. But they're obviously they're taking this game very seriously because they feel like if they can win this game, it can catapult them into a place where a lot of people didn't think it would be possible this year in, in, in 2023. I mean, we just watched the bears come away with their first win and it on a night where, you know, Dick Buckus sadly passes away. It feels like nice victory for the Chicago bears doesn't necessarily save their season. Right. And where the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, you, you continue to shock people every Sunday and get the occasional win. You can become very viable over the course of October, November, and December. And I, I just keep going back to the fact that, you know, you look at their schedule and it's like, there, there are very few games where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the opposing team by a large margin. I think mm-hmm. San Francisco is the best team in the NFL. We saw them last week, and we saw how competitive the Arizona Cardinals were without Buda Baker and, and Kyler Murray. There are a few, very few instances, Bo, as we, as we look at the schedule for the rest of this year, where it's like, I, do you think the Cardinals are going to get mollywopped in any game? You think, you think the Cleveland Browns right now, their state of their franchise, Atlanta, even with Houston, Pittsburgh, you know, I, I think, again, Bo, as we look at the schedule, you got to take San Francisco seriously and, you know, flip a coin with within your own division. Those are tough games regardless. But outside of a, you know, Christmas Eve game against the Philadelphia Eagles, I, I think everything else is very much on hand of being competitive on Sundays, which you can't ask for anything more in 2023. And this could be what was perceived in the offseason when the schedule was dropped as the murder's row portion of the the schedule. You're at the end of it and you have a pretty damn good chance to go two and three. Am I getting are we getting way ahead of ourselves? Like, yeah, absolutely. There's a big game that has to be played on Sunday. We know what Joe Burrow is capable of. But right now he's a shell of himself. He's going to have to kind of change some trends that have been happening this season as far as his play, his offensive lines play, playmakers play. Uh, it, it's they're going to have to overcome, you know, it just being, uh, you know, not a full strength Joe Burrow, just Jamar Chase and, and Joe Mixon, because beyond that, they don't have much. This isn't that well of a constructed roster. This is a roster that's been drafting at the end of of, of the ra- each round the last three years because of their success. That's a product of their success. Unfortunately, they just haven't had that much success kind of filling the cupboards. And that's tough, right? Um, but this to 
to potentially go two and three and you played Dallas, San Francisco, and Cincinnati. I mean, I don't think anybody would have ever envisioned that for this Cardinals team. And that's just a testament to, you know, Monty Austinfort, his ability to scout players, fit them to what Jonathan Gannon, Nick Rollins, and Drew Petzing want to do scheme wise and, uh, and them, you know, executing. And, and, and you know, what's it's crazy too is, is the games that got away and the lumps that they're taking is being first year head coach in an offensive and defensive coordinator. I mean, you hope that those don't bite you in the ass at the end of the season, but you know, also keeping in perspective, it's like this, this would be ahead of schedule. This would just kind of oh, easily. put things ahead of schedule to where, you know, you were thinking if this could, team could churn out just a couple wins and, and, and learn a few things about their coaching staff. It's like, no, we're not a lot about this coaching staff and everything that you've seen so far outside of a couple tough second halves. It, there's a lot to like. Well, it's unfortunate because I think Washington and the Giants caught the Cardinals at a good time for them. Yeah. Josh Dobbs getting to town late, losing Buda Baker at the last second. I mean, I think I'd like the Cardinals' chances of, of facing those two teams again and, and potentially sealing the deal here because those, both those teams look like they're going south quickly, especially what's what's going on with the New York Giants. You, you and I talked about it off air. I mean, that, that's a game. I mean, you look back at the end of the season and we don't know what the next couple months are going to hold, but that's that's a game you'd like to have back, obviously. But, I mean, you, you're going to win games you're not supposed to, just like Dallas two weeks ago, just like this game. I mean, even if the Cardinals are able to come out on top on Sunday, there are going to be plenty of people that said, I can't believe the Bengals lost to the Cardinals. I, I think it's going to take a full season, bow of Gannon and company having these competitive outings, people buying into what they're selling over the course of the entire 17-game season. Because right now, again talk to the casual fan or you watch the you know the occasional talking head on national TV or the Twitter streets it's like yeah, it's just the Cardinals just they're an afterthought no I mean they were they were within five points against San Francisco in Santa Clara last week they've run for over a hundred and plus yards in every game this season and are top 10 in rushing and haven't turned the ball over in three games so I mean I I'm pretty confident if the Cardinals can do what they've done offensively each of the last three weeks against Cincinnati they don't turn the ball over and they run the football effectively, they will beat the Bengals. The Bengals, to me, you know, outside of a, a, a throwback game with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase where they go off for about five touchdowns, knock on wood, like the Cardinals can dictate this game up front with their line of scrimmage. Force Cincinnati into, into bad situations. If, if Joe Burrow and company are forced to drop back three to five step drops and, and you know, this is, this is a good game for the Cardinals' pass rush that was pretty non-existent against San Francisco to wake up. Yeah, I mean, what you've seen from the from the Bengals and only thing that they can really hang their hat on right now is Lou Anarumo in that defense, but it's mm -hmm. just been middle of the road. And when the offense right. had another tough day on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans, you know, that I mean, defense... That was an ass-kicking. It was. It was. It was. They absolutely just dismantled them. It was Ryan Tannehill. Sure, King Henry mixed in there. And, and DeAndre Hopkins dismantling the the once proud Cincinnati Bengals franchise that has been you know to a couple AFC conference championship games in a Super Bowl it's it's yeah. it's really unreal but like you look at them statistically especially that last game you know what what the Tennessee obviously could get going on the ground one seventy three that those are the kind of numbers that the Arizona Cardinals have have put up this season and it's like into Brian Baldinger's point, Baldy joins us once a week here on PHNX Cardinals. And he's like looking at Joshua Dobbs' performance. He's looking at Michael Wilson's performance. And he's naming all these who's who of players for San Francisco and saying they're doing this against elite defenses. And like 
you you like what you've seen from Luana Romo. He's he's schemed it up, you know, against Patrick Mahomes a bunch of times. But right. you know, going into week five, they're not trending in in the right direction. They're not trending better than Dallas was in week three. They're not no. trending better than San Francisco has all season long. So I mean, the Cardinals just played the best two teams in the NFC back to back weeks. I mean, beat Dallas pretty handedly. And look then, what Dallas did the next week. What they did to Mac Jones and company. I mean, the Cardinal game is an outlier for them. I mean, that, yeah. they came to State Farm Stadium and got run over in every other game they've they've controlled. So I, I think if for even for people who are holding out, calling this Cardinal team for real in the sense that they've turned their act around, I mean, I would say, not to take away from the players, Bo, but it, it's 65 70% coaching right now. And coaching travels. Coaching allows you to stay competitive. Whereas the Cliff Kingsbury era of Cardinal football, it was... How much talent can we flush on this roster? Can we keep people healthy? Get D hop out of the training room. Let's go. Let's out athlete people. Right. Cardinals are the antithesis of that now under Jonathan Gannon. We're like, you feel comfortable, as comfortable as you can feel with no Kyler Murray and Buda Baker. I mean, those are your best two players in your franchise. And you feel like you can beat Cincinnati at home. I mean, that's that's a pretty unbelievable feat for Gannon and company to have achieved with this fan base in just a month's time. It's really going to be fascinating to see how the coaching staff plays this game at chess because now you got basically a quarter of a season on tape and, and you've got some good coordinators, especially on the defensive side with Anna Rumo. Like how's Petsing? What's, what's Petsing going to come? What's his, what's his scripted play is going to look like? Are they going to look like, does he think like he can just run the plays that they've had success with? Or is he, is he going to try to match wits with Anna Rumo? That's going to be really, I, I'm interested to see how that goes down and, and what's Nick Rallis's, how is, is his group going to respond to a, a, a tough outing? Uh, I thought it was kind of funny to see that they like highlight it. You know, they do some great works for, for AZ Cardinals where they, they have like film room. It's like they did film room with Nick Rallis, like the one stop they got during that game. I was like, we didn't have, was Drew Petzing not available to do a, a film session on on his one of the many plays that he drew up on Sunday against the 49ers. Here's how we stopped San Francisco. The <laughs> one series they stopped going north and south with McCaffrey. We tried an end around uh, with Debo Samuel when he was about 70%, and we got a tackle for loss. Yes, we did it. Uh, a big proponent of that, that defense struggling is defensive line, Bo. I've got a piece coming out on our YouTube page about the state of the Cardinals' biggest weakness and it's, it's their defensive tackle play through, I, I would say, through very little fault of the current regime. And one of those key cogs, Jonathan Ledbetter, that yeah. has exceeded expectations, missed last week, was back at practice on Wednesday in a limited role. But then, Bo, you were out there at the Tempe facility on Thursday. He was nowhere to be found. He was gone. He just disappeared. It's like some horrible magic trick. You know, we, we saw Jonathan Ledbetter out there on Wednesday. He was sure, albeit limited, trying to figure out how to play with the, his, his finger injury. And we talked to him at his locker post-practice and he says, he's just trying to figure that out. You know, what's going to be best. Are they going to wrap it? Is he going to be able to do all the things that he's used to doing? And he's just not out there on Thursday. So it's going to be a big day today to see if Ledbetter can, can get out there on Friday, be in, in a limited capacity and at least give himself a chance to be active on Sunday because we've seen with this defensive, this is already a defensive line that is down tremendous. I mean, when you're down Carlos Watkins, you're down LJ Collier, basically lost for the season. You know, Foto is has been fine, right? He probably struggled pretty mightily against some some pretty it's solid for him. 
Yeah, this is going to be a big week, no doubt about it. Against it's not the Niners' offensive front that he's going up against. He's going against a pretty weak unit in in Cincinnati. So um, we'll see what they do, how, how they how they kind of who they call upon. You know, Roy Lopez came in off the streets, basically from the Houston Texans, and saw significant playing time. They they thought uh, I think Nick Rollis said on Tuesday he thought Dante Stills played his best game as a pro against San Francisco. Uh, but to to this point, with where their roster is, and if they don't have Ledbetter, it's not going to be good enough. They're going to have to elevate their game. They're going to have to take it to another level outside of you know Nick Rollis and Jonathan Gannon working that rotation to to near perfection. It's it's going to take more than that. It's going to take this defensive front, the interior of it, uh, stepping up this week. Hopefully, that's not asking too much. No, the biggest thing is you got to make Joe Burrow uncomfortable and and. I think that this is the week, and we know Gannon doesn't like to blitz or all that much. He and Nick Rollis, they they want to try to win with their front four. This is a week I think you got to get away from that because I, I send an additional corner, an additional safety, uh, a linebacker on a, a a blitz up the middle or off the edge because Bo. I mean, you try to get him moving around. I've watched a little bit of all twenty two and what the Bengals have, are doing. He's a statue. He's a shell of himself. Mm-hmm. He's not healthy. It's not so Brock you allow him, like what, what Brock was doing last week. And, and just getting out and, and yeah. like no and, and like 365 days of the year, I'm never going to say, hey, Brock Purdy is a better quarterback than Joe Burrow. But, you know, just in that offense with the, with the skill players he had available with the offensive line and the things that he was able to do, he's, he's just he's, he's just better right now in, in, in right operating in offense than, than a less than 100 percent Joe Burrow. People in Cincinnati are saying they should sit Joe Burrow. Like it's not not helping the team, um, and he was always a little bit of a mistake prone player. He's been known to turn the ball over. It doesn't even his- think it. I, I, you know, a good play from your quarterback, and and, and he's proven this. His entire career with Cincinnati can can be uh, kind of put makeup on, on over some some deficiencies, I guess. Right? Like he and schematically, they're they're not in a great place either. You know, I trust my guy, Jake Liskow, who covers that team really closely and he gets into the X's and O's and he hasn't liked what he's seen from Brian Callahan in, in this offense, even with an injured quarterback. No, it's been bad. Um, and the Cardinals, you mentioned trying to take advantage. I got the PFF stats for last week and we didn't go through these this week in great detail, but number two rated player behind Keetro Clark defensively was, was Dante stills. He played 33 snaps, Bo. Mm-hmm. Had a 66 grade, 71 tackling. Um, and then Roy Lopez was right behind him, as was Kevin Strong. So behind Keytrell Clark and when Dante Seals, Roy Lopez, and Kevin Strong back to back to back, all with grades in the uh, mid to low 60s. Lecky Fotu, the aforementioned Steve Keim holdover, was down ranked 17th with a grade of about 32. He and Cameron Thomas had a really tough time against the run, against San Francisco. So, I mean, it's got to be better. The Cardinals need to take advantage. Ledbetter, to me, has been by far their best defensive tackle since especially LJ Collier went down. So, hopefully he's he's back in some capacity and looks like maybe Josh Woods is going to play a little bit. Maybe you get Chris Barnes feeling a little bit better after limited play last week. I, I Again, momentum. B. Joe Gilari, I think, has a big day if he's allowed to rush the passer on third down. This is this is a game where we need to be thinking at the end when we're doing our post game show and you're live from State Farm Stadium. It's like this is a Nick Rollis future head coach kind of performance. The way he called mm-hmm. his defense today, 
holding them to 14 points or less, right? Allowing Josh Dobbs and company to control the clock offensively by by running the football and, and hopefully playing mistake-free football. Because Amarumo, we make fun of him in his last name. He's a real deal. He's one of the best defensive <laughs> yes. coordinators in the NFL. But I, I think this is the game, Bo, where the Cardinals are the huge benefactor of uh, opposing teams' turnover. Uh, for really, for the first time since the Washington game, you know, Danny Dimes, Dak, I think each had a, had a pick a piece, right? We haven't really mm-hmm. seen much turnover on either side of the ball for like the last three weeks of play. So, right. You can get Joe well, Burrow. Last week was the first of the whole entire season, right? That they didn't force a turnover. Yeah, but then they didn't give up the ball either. So, yeah. I think they won the turnover battle against Dallas one to nothing. And then maybe the Giants won to nothing. And then they, I think they had the commanders beat three to two. But man, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think it's it's going to be really disheartening at the end of the day Sunday if you can't force the Cincinnati Bengals team into at least two turnovers with the way they've been playing. Yeah, but more importantly, you know, keep them keep them in third and long. You yeah. know, make make Joe Burrow have to make you know old Joe Burrow throws and plays and that he can't make. Yeah, so far he's he's proven that that he can't. So, but yeah, turning the ball over would just make things a lot easier for what they want to try to do. I mean, Burrow's numbers, unbelievable. Uh, I mean, just two picks, uh, been sacked eight times. You got to kind of ramp that up a little bit and you can't be, they can't, you can't let them turn it into a big Joe Mixon game. You just, you can't, I mean, we've seen, and, and Joe Mixon is, is, is good of a player as he, as he is. He's not Christian McCaffrey. Like, so, no. you know, I think that you can have a little confidence that this can be, you know, not a get-right game for the Bengals on offense, but a get-right game for Nick Rollis and this Cardinals defense. Where the Cardinals just cannot afford to do, and we've talked about it all week, and this is what we're teasing with Kyler Murray's return, they can't turn the ball over. They, this this defense, is, as well as it's played, is is built on a house of cards, and you give opposing offenses short fields, and it's not going to last. This yeah. team makes its money playing field position. Kicking game's important. They brought in a new punter. Prater's been money. Running the football, you cannot give Cincinnati free possessions with turnovers. And I again, I think if they win the turnover battle this week, that they win the game. Uh, speaking of Kyler Murray, Bo, you posted something on your Twitter as it relates to Colt McCoy, who was on our frenemy Colin Cowherd's program. It's the first <laughs> time I've seen or heard from Colt McCoy since he's been cut by the Cardinals. You posted the clip about his relationship with K1. It's pretty fascinating stuff from the former Cardinal signal caller. Yeah, so he was joining Coward mostly about the Red River rivalry, of course, Colt McCoy, one of the most famous uh, Texas quarterbacks of all time. Uh, So this is the first time since he joined the NFL that he's going to be able to attend this game. But at the end of the interview, Colin basically was transparent with him and said, hey, I'm I'm not a big, like I like Kyler Murray's skill set, but there's a lot of things I don't like. And then Colt McCoy, I think, right out of the gates, came out on the, I don't know if you would just say on the, not on the defense, maybe more of an offensive play, just saying, Hey, look, the misconceptions about Kyler Murray. I don't know where they come from. I don't know how they were generated, but quote, I think what people don't understand about him is he's a hard worker. He loves the game. He's a super competitive guy and he's chomping at the bit to come back. And he said, you know, people who think they need to hedge their bets about Kyler Murray are wrong. And he thinks he's going to come back and return the form. So I mean, that's somebody that was as close to the situation as, as you could possibly be. And, you know, he said he enjoyed his time playing with Kyler and, and debunked a lot of the, you know, the, the reports 
radio air quotes, podcast air quotes, you know, reports that were out there when Kyler Murray, his representation were in a ugly contract uh, negotiation. Yeah, it's it's frustrating because I Cole McCoy had an opportunity like so many ex-Cardinals to come and bash Kyler Murray and he didn't. Uh, right. And he's got ill will against the Cardinals, maybe for cutting him. And, you know, he took the high road and that's classic Colt McCoy. And you're, you're happy to see that. People I, I have just, been reaching out to him. He wouldn't, he wouldn't say who says teams have been in contact with him. He says, I'm paraphrasing. He's looking for the, the, the right opportunity. I think, is, I think he'd like to go and play for somebody to start. Um, if somebody goes down, but again, like what, what you saw, what we saw at times, this, this training camp, right. I mean, just no disrespect. He's just not an NFL quarterback anymore. His, his body, his body's caught up to him. It's tremendous on television. Great human being. Like, does uh, he want to go? Like, I think when he's talking about that, I mean, we see what the jets did. They bring in right. Trevor Simeon. And it's like, he's on practice squad to start. Does he want to have to go start on practice squad and work his way up? I think yeah. like if a team like that had called or like maybe Atlanta or some of these teams that are you're just you're not real settled with what's going on, maybe there's an injury. But like again, the the Cardinals literally have a roster that a lot of people think is in tank mode, and they were going to start him, and they literally even with all the dysfunction said, "Go, you're not good enough to start for the Cardinals." Right. So you, with the mis, with the misconception on this team. You think a team with with quote unquote options is going to say, "Yeah, Colt, come in and and start for us"? I, I don't know. I feel like it's one of the most bizarre scenarios. Not to get off subject when it comes to Kyler, but I don't know if we'll ever see something like this again, where a guy is inherited by a new regime, is anointed the starter mm-hmm. for behind the scenes, not publicly for like five months, and then they, he's he just cut the trade for somebody yeah. else. That, it is surreal thinking back because now we're four or five weeks into the season. That feels like forever ago, but it, we were living that day to day and we were shaking our heads. Like, I, I can't believe they're going to really go through with this right on a pitch count. Is Kyler coming back week one? And it, he never, ever played a regular season snap for Jonathan Gannon. Well, look, and a tip of the cap to, to the new regime and, and being able to pull that off and pull the trigger and, and take the flack that they did. And I'm sure, yeah. You know, I'm sure even within the that organization, there are people like, what are you doing? Right. I mean, because it's tough unless you're seeing it every day, unless you're seeing in a lot of people did. But sometimes you only get access to, to so much. But, you know, a tip of the cap. I mean, that that's what's necessary as far as moving things forward. God was bless also- those fans in Minnesota during that joint practice, getting that <laughs> footage out. Tip of the cap to those people, Bo Brock. You should have been there, but they were doing the Lord's work that way. Right. <laughs> Those Colt McCoy ducks from the bleachers. Byron Murphy pick sixes. That's what did it. I was trying to look like it was uh, it was caught on video by like a original digital camera or something. I mean, I'm like, how many pixels is this thing? I can't. It was, <laughs> but it was pretty clear even on that uh, on the not the HD look, but like the four. 480. I don't know. It was, no, it was Kia not a good phone or the Razor or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Exactly. Like my, my early 2000s Blackberry caught that. Right. Yeah. I mean, less, listen, he, yeah. some of those throws during training camp, that one were hit, I think Rondell Marco. Moore in the back of the head. It was Marco I mean, they, they, we go back. It's like it, you put the, the circus music on there. That's what it was. That's, that's when it was very evident to people this Cardinal team wouldn't be very good. And all it took was getting a 28 year old 
cast off third stringer out of Cleveland to reinvigorate this fan base. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And he's got a connection with uh, Hollywood Brown. Hollywood talked on Thursday, debunked, you know, the so-called trade rumors. And it's interesting. He said he hadn't even heard of it. It's like, you think if he had any sort of representation, that they'd be like, hey, this team's mulling around, you know, any, any, any insights. So you think he was just completely BSing us? Yeah. Uh, I do Hollywood. I He's love pretty Hollywood. active on social. Yeah. He plays video games a lot. He live streams on Twitch. Like you, all those people are probably like, Hey, you hear they're going to, they're trying to trade you, bro. No, I like, he's heard about it. These players, yeah. like we're naive to it. Like players consume all this stuff. They search their names. We know that cause they've slid in our DMS or their spouses have to yell at us. Like people, people search on Twitter. It's Kevin Durant fucking does it. It's a real thing. Yeah. So I, of course, Hollywood Brown knows, but he, Listen, like I, I'll double down on it. Like, no way you trade him unless the package right. is just outlandish. <clears throat> the Panthers, to me, were were recording this just hours after former Panther DJ Moore completely undressed the Commanders <laughs> and had at what four, five, three, four touchdowns. They're like, "Hey, we need a number one receiver." It's like, "Well, you had one. He's in right. Chicago now. He's unbelievable." Like, take your lumps and suck and suck ass this year. We're not getting right. Hollywood Brown, right? Hollywood did say that he was he didn't even think he was going to be able to play in week four. He had one of his best days of the season, almost went over the century mark in receiving. He said he's feeling better. So and um, pretty much the status quo. I mean, he, he has no idea what his, his future is here. He mentioned something. He was asked uh, by Danny Sarek of, of AZ Cardinals, you know, what did it mean to go to this charity function that he, he attended with him and his son? He said, I just want to kind of. Um, Immerse myself in this community if this is somewhere I'm going to be long term, but I don't know. But this is all I can do at this point. So it's, it's will you one be, of the storylines that's not going away. No, will you be? Well, it's a good it's a good storyline because that means he remains viable all year. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'm good with the contract discussion because that means he's producing. But goes to kind of my question to you: like he plays all 17 games, he has a very nice end of the season line of about 1,200 yards, which he's on pace for about. 1100 if he gets to like 1200 eight touchdowns this year are you letting him walk in free agency would you be disappointed if he left or do you feel like with depending on how michael wilson finishes the season like okay we're good and we'll go get somebody else (laughs) there's so much gray area to this and and here's what i'll say i think it's another one of those difficult decisions because as you pointed out i mean it's it's not it's not a spring chicken Relative to the NFL, then you say he's going to be about he's going to be 27 when he signs to start this deal next year. Yeah, right. To start it next year, um, and you know what? How did the team finish? Are they in striking distance for a top wide receiver in the draft? You know what? What are all the variables? How do they play into it? And wh- what's he going to command? Is he going to command Christian Kirk money? Because I don't think that you know people want to sign Hollywood to that deal. But if 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 the market corrects a little bit on wide receivers and they're able to get them on a, you know, relatively team of four and they're going to have money to spend, but are they going to, do they view him as somebody that they want to spend money on? I'm curious to see how that plays out the rest of the season. I, I think that the more competitive they are, I don't, I don't discredit like the Kyler Murray facet of it either. Uh, And depending on what happens with K one and having that good mojo and, like, could you see a scenario in which like Hollywood's here and Kyler Murray's not here? That would be pretty bizarre. I, I would I would say 
that's an extreme scenario in which like <laughs> if Hollywood's performing at the end of the year, it's, it's in part because of Kyler. Here's right? what I'll say about to, to Hollywood's credit. And, and this is not, a, this is not me just because you just brought him up. I mean, this is what I know about Hollywood. He, he's a team guy. He really is a team guy. And, and he, he fits what Monty Osfort outlined or laid out there in his opening co- uh, press conferences as general manager. Um, he was really good last year before he got hurt. And, and here's here's what here's what you really have to figure out. Like is is encouraging as Michael Wilson's play has been, you know, going into into year two. Like you and you always need two guys, at least. What what are you replacing him with? What's what's your contingency plan? Right. And if 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 you don't, I mean, and Jonathan Gannon, he said even this week, like who if you took Hollywood out of these these to start the season, who's making those plays? At the X position. I mean, Greg and Rondell are underneath guys. Zach Pascal's mm-hmm. dropping touchdowns against San Francisco in the fourth quarter. And I and I think with like the Cardinals can definitely draft a receiver that's not named Marvin Harrison Jr., as much as that pains me to say this, especially in like the mid to late rounds. Go do that again. Go find another Michael Wilson. But it would just be when you're projecting to 2024, because again, we're gonna get through this season and hopefully they continue to surprise us. But next offseason is going to be about what, Bo? It's going to be about tooling up. Let's fucking go. Let's 2024. You allow a 1,200-yard receiver to potentially walk? It's like, okay, well, who are you replacing him with, to your point? Are you you signing somebody else to sign somebody? You're going to have $80 million in cap space? Like, It's a a really good point because you have two starting caliber receivers right now that are B, B plus, maybe A minus at some point. Mm -hmm. Like, don't. You have no quality defensive tackles. You've got a left tackle with a question mark. You've got a left guard that's a question mark. You've got, got holes up and down this roster. People know that. Don't make a strength a weakness. And and again, I'm somebody that was fully in the camp of trade Hollywood midseason, especially if yeah. the wheels fall off. But how well he's played with Dobbs, how well he played with Colt McCoy, and then how well he played and will play with Kyler Murray. He's a he's a valuable asset that's not a one trick pony that a lot of people thought that yeah. was in Baltimore. He's yeah. an intermediate route runner. I think about like Golden Tate when he went to Detroit. Seattle was okay. It was a mid rounder, second rounder. Went to Detroit, signed a, like a five year, thirty million dollar deal, and had really nice years as an intermediate route runner for Detroit. I'm like, I think that I think that's Hollywood Brown. I think Hollywood Brown can have that same kind of trajectory. Yeah, as long as there's not one of those teams with an outlandish amount of cap space and they just throw money at them, I think that you can have, uh, uh, you know, what what people would describe as, you know, good negotiations and, and yeah. just see where it goes. But, you know, at, at what happened in Tennessee in the wide receiver room, and I don't know what Monty's thoughts were on it, never talked to him about it, but they, they were completely just bankrupt of of talent at that position by the time, you know, the, the full-time general manager got blown out and, and Austin Ford exited for, for the Valley. And it, um, and it hopefully was a learning experience. For yeah. That. For because it's, it's like, Hey, you got a guy, you do what you can to keep a guy and you do have to pay these guys to an extent. But, you know, I, I understand too, if, if he's out there and he's going to command, you know, wide receiver one money, that's where people would balk at him a little bit. Well, if, if you don't sign Hollywood and you don't get Marvin Harrison Jr. and God forbid something happens to, to Michael Wilson, you're you're in, you're in a lot of trouble. I yeah. mean, you need proven commodities in the NFL, especially like 
the state of the Cardinal quarterback situation, we end on this is just, you know, whether it's Dobbs, Kyler Murray, Drake May, Caleb Williams, whomever, you you need you need receivers, you need receiving targets. We we've seen with CJ Stroud, I mean, they they've done some nice, you know, supplemental work. Tank Deli and some guys, Nico yeah. Collins, they've invested. You know, Anthony Richardson's more of a runner right now, but Bryce Young's got nobody to throw to. And it's it's stalled his development. So I I think, you know, at the end of the day, this this team, they'd be doing a disservice to anybody who's under center if if they don't spend at that at that position. Michael Wilson's making no money now for the next mm-hmm. three years, potentially. So you can afford to splurge. The time you'd probably have to pay Michael Wilson is the time, hopefully you're paying Michael Wilson. It's a good problem to have, is the time, Bo Brock, that Hollywood Brown's contract would be expiring. That's a good point. I think it's it, he's he's doing the right things to put himself in a position to to get some money next next offseason. Hope you know hoping it's here. He's made some big plays already. Obviously know the relationship with with the quarterback that's on their contract uh beyond 2023 and, and he's gonna make some big dollars and they're best buddies. So it's it's not a storyline that's that's gonna go away and, and Hollywood continuing to help his cause out there playing hurt, something we had discussed before, you know, when he was facing some leg injuries going into the season, had the hamstring and now he's got the thumb. He's he's laboring through it and a tip of the cap to him and, and hopefully he has a big game Sunday. We got our full preview show going down. Friday afternoon, 4.30. Of course, join us, PHNX Sports, on YouTube. Lots of great stuff going on there. Obviously, Suns season about the tip. Diamondbacks postseason. Coyote season's right around the corner. Sun Devils football, U of A football. And don't miss out on any of the action. PHNX Sports. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. You listen to all those podcasts, and you're following us on Twitter, Johnny Venerable, at Bo Brock, and, of course, at PHNX underscore Cardinals on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great uh, rest of your day. We'll talk to you real soon (laughs) with that brand new episode, full preview mode uh, here on PHNX Cardinals.